The Favorites Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. I bet with FanDuel because they're safe and secure. They offer great odds and markets across the NBA, NHL, and more. And because it's fun to combine multiple bets into same-game parlays. So if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code FAVORITES so they know I sent you. You must be 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Louisiana. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. It's the middle of June. My BFF, my companion, my compadre, Simon Hunter, professional better from the fighting city of Philadelphia. What's going on, brother? Little hungover this morning, but I'm a trooper. I'm here after going to a concert last night. And I'm here to talk about movies. Listen, there's, we're, we're combining a lot of themes today. You are a son of Philadelphia. You love that city. I will be in Philadelphia tomorrow. You and I will be in Philadelphia together. I have come to love and appreciate Philadelphia in ways I had never before living in New York forever and going to Philadelphia for work and things like that. But now my kid's at Drexel and he's just spent the past year there. So I've been to Philly probably four or five times. Love going. Think it's an amazing city. Have a blast there. Going to pick him up tomorrow or Saturday. Going to be with you tomorrow night. It's movie season. There is a new movie out called Hustle with Adam Sandler that was written and executive produced by a very good friend of the podcast, Will Fetters, Academy Award nominee for A Star is Born, which he wrote with Bradley Cooper. Will came on the podcast a few years ago to talk about it, talk about the Academy Awards, all that kind of stuff. He worked on this movie, Hustle. He's going to fill us in on how the movie came together. We're going to talk to him about our favorite gambling movies. This podcast is meant to give you something to do in the summer months. You want to hang out watching some good movies. And it takes place in Philadelphia. Simon, the city of love for you. Not even brotherly love, just the city <laughs> of love. I mean, as a Philadelphian, we could say it's the city of freedom. It's the birthplace of American freedom. So every time someone talks shit about Philadelphia, I say, hey, you hate freedom. All right. 1776, <laughs> brother. Where do you think that was done? Philadelphia freedom. <laughs> so, yeah, I loved uh, that Will used Philadelphia as his backbone for this whole movie. I mean, the first scene, Adam Sandler is literally wearing a 76ers jumpsuit. And you know me, I was like, okay, I'm in. So, yeah, as a Philadelphia native, that was very big to my ego. Dude, Will is on. Will is on. Will is What's on the up, podcast guys? right now. Will Fetters. My triumphant on, return. <laughs> I'm doing good, man. How you guys doing? We're good. Thanks for coming on. We were talking about the movie, and there's a lot of stuff I want to get to. 
Um, yes, I- yes, I did write this movie just so you would have me back on the podcast. That is why I wrote it. I sought out the job. I was like, how do I once again feel this glorious feeling of validation and uh, and come back on? And so two years later, here we are, brother. In two years, I do want let, let's let's level set. Let me let me give sure. the listeners some structure to this podcast. Uh, I mentioned before you jumped on that uh, you had written A Star is Born with Bradley Cooper, nominated for an Academy Award at that time your career was starting to explode. We are a couple years later uh, and you're just jetting back from Philadelphia for the premiere of Hustle with Adam Sandler, which you wrote, uh, co-wrote and executive produced. Um, and give us the rundown. What has been happening for the past two years? How does being nominated for an Academy Award uh, accelerate your career? What changes, what is remarkably similar? You know, being a writer is kind of a funny thing. Uh, we always have plausible deniability when movies don't work. And so, you know, I, I, I would say my career, as far as like within the industry, uh, people know I was pretty good at my job. Uh, there's a saying like nobody's ever made a good movie from a bad script, but plenty of people have made bad movies from good scripts. So with the exception of one of my movies, like I, the script every time I thought I had a chance to be pretty good. And um and then, you know, they don't always come together. I kind of like, I would liken it to, I was trying to think of a, an analogy and it was like, like an NBA role player, like somebody that like, if you're a GM, you know, like certain players are going to give you, give you what you need in the playoffs. Like, and those players tend to always end up on teams. Like you could argue Milwaukee's not, we're not in the championship right now because they wouldn't pay PJ talk. So I feel like as far as within the business, the jobs I get didn't change, but I will say directly related to stars one, I think is how, I got pulled into this um, I got got a call from Adam, Sand- Adam Sandler's uh, one of his agents. Cause he, as you can imagine, as a team who used to be my agent and he was like, you like basketball, right? And I was like, I sure do. And uh, I think, you know, if you've seen, you guys have seen the movie, there's, there's definitely some stars born ish parallels to it. Um, so I think from a, just fit wise, Adam would love the movie. And, and then we met and talked and hit it off. And, and one of my first, one of my first, like, pitches was we need to change this to philadelphia so now we're here so let me also frame it adam sandler plays a longtime nba scout for the sixers who's basically tasked with needing to find one last star that can help the sixers become a championship level team and it takes him around the world to find this one star uh, played by uh, NBA player Juancho Hernan Gomez, um, who he discovers on a playground in Spain. And then the movie takes off from there about him trying to get him back to the United States, into the NBA. Um, why did you set it in Philadelphia? Well, I don't know if you, I'm sure Simon knows this, but uh, paying attention to the Sixers front office for the last few years, there was only one place that I could set it. No, I mean, I wanted to sit in Philadelphia because I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. You know, it's like the Newark, New Jersey of, uh, of to New York is how it is for us in Delaware. We don't have much of the Philadelphia teams or it. I was 20 minutes from the stadiums growing up. So that's where I always went. And I mean, I did think the character of the story, like knowing it was going to be about underdogs trying to grind and having, you know, to get their shot, it just fit. And, you know, in, in Hollywood, you, you tend to have like, like Adam's Adam was super cool about it. He loved the idea. 
but it ultimately does come down to like, where's the, what's going to be the tax credit and, you know, things like that. And one funny thing is I won't, I don't want to give anything away. You got, you guys will appreciate it because you've seen it, but I, I, I genuinely wrote the, the ending, you know, where there's, you know, certain team ends up prevailing over another team. And uh, I had, I had chosen, I'd say, well, there's, you know, what I'm talking about. I would say that uh, that was something that I had written in and it just, it worked out that Wancho was playing for that team at the time. So that was meant to be. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just kind of, it just fit. And, you know, any, I knew a movie like this was going to need um, a real, a, the real character of a city behind it. You know, all due respect to LA, but I just thought Philly fit. And I just, one of my little things I love in movies is just little details of movies. And I just want to know if this is based off a true story. When he, when Adam went and saw um, Cruz playing, he was wearing the work shoes, like the construction shoes. Is that based off anything real, like him playing in those Tims? Because off my memories, I, I, I can tell you, I've seen guys in Philly too playing in Timberlands, the steel-toed boots. I have too. So I would love to know if that's like one of those things. Was that inspiration from Philadelphia itself, or is that a scout telling you a story about a guy he was checking out and saw him in those kind of shoes? No, much like you, I've actually seen that before. Um, I've played in pickup, like gone to a pickup court and seen a dude in Timberlands and they're always the best player on the court. Right. And, uh, and it happened to work out that, you know, that the construction worker thing and having him obviously is his, uh, Bo's life got off track at a certain point. And so, yeah, it just worked out. And also I have a, a good friend of mine. We always text with like big NBA fans. And, you know, I, I remember just describing Tony Allen, in uh in the we bet the grizz i think i should put this on the podcast one of the times i bet the grizz to beat the, the warriors and um it was the game it was right before the game where tony got left on an island to shoot steve kerr just isolated him and he couldn't make anything but what my what you're describing tony allen is like he's like the dude in the he's an nba version of like the guy who shows up at the pickup court with like like paint stained pants and like a bottle of gatorade that doesn't have gatorade in it and like clearly just got off work wearing wearing boots and then just goes out on the court and it destroys everyone for two hours like no one can do anything against them it's just that there's a toughness to him so yeah that's definitely based off something i've really seen the uh it's funny you describe him that way my kid and i my kid who i watched the movie with last night he's 15 uh, he loved it. Totally predicted the ending, by the way, like as uh, like specific, specifically the, the as the... as at, at the end of the movie, like I'm not going to give it away, but uh, Doc Rivers, Adam Sandler, they're walking out of the tunnel for the Sixers. And my son predicted what was going to happen next when they got onto the court <laughs> at 100 percent predicted it. Um, yeah. But we always talk about like, who are the NBA guys that, that you wouldn't, they look terrible in the NBA, but if you showed up at the YMCA in Albany, New York, they're <laughs> going to be playing and you're not going to know who they are. And you're not going to know why is this person dominating for us? You mentioned it was Tony Allen for us. It was Denzel Valentine. Like we'd watch yeah. all the bulls games Denzel Valentine would be nothing in the NBA, but he had a really good career player of the year in Michigan state. Mm -hmm. You would not think he could play. And then he shows up at the Y and he's just crushing it. That's, that's the equivalent. Yes. Totally get the it. Dis the distance between, I think I'm going to, I'm going to credit the person who said this. I heard Brian Scalabrini say on some podcast interview, because people like, cause he's the classic guy that people talk shit. Like they think they can beat him. 
And and he said um, to, regarding all NBA non NBA players who play in streetball games, he's like, you don't understand, guys. I am much closer to LeBron James than you are to me, and, and that is every NBA guy is so far removed. Like the speed of the game, the the, the mental side of the game, like the way that they like he defensively for him to survive in the NBA, he had to be able to read and react. And so he figures he'll figure you out after two two times of you handling the ball, and then you never get by him again because as soon as you start to go right, he's already gone. You know, and he's six nine and two sixty. So yeah, hundred percent. There's there's literally nobody who plays in the NBA that uh, that couldn't destroy in a pickup court. Because well, Scalabrini, that was that ended up being a popular series, right? Where people would try to challenge him, and he would just destroy mm-hmm. them. And a lot of that, around, yeah. a lot of that was in the movie. So. Uh, I mentioned Hernan Gomez, Juancho Hernan Gomez, who was great in the movie. He plays Bo Cruz, who was the guy that Adam Sandler discovers. And uh, so first, I'm, I'm going to have two questions here. But the first question is, how did he end up in the movie? Man, he's, he's he was so incredible on his tape. So the funny thing about this, well, not funny, nothing's funny about the pandemic, but the way the timing of it, which was kind of crazy. So I... I got the I got a, the call from my old agent probably end of January 2020, and and I met Adam within the week, and then Adam and I hit it off right away. We we he knew because we had to start from page one. I mean the movie was set the other script was set in China. It was like a whole other thing. Um, so we Adam just loved the idea of playing a scout, and he was and LeBron and Maverick were producing that script, so it's just a good fit. But we had a ton I had a ton of work to do. I started from scratch, changing everything for the city and all that stuff, and so. He wanted to make it his summer movie. He didn't have a, and Adam's one of those dudes that just like always has to be working. Like he can't, it's, it's, he's just an incredibly productive person. Makes, makes me feel lazy. Um, but he, so I was like, got the gig. And then I wrote the entire thing in like six weeks, like from like beginning of February. And, and obviously it's an NBA movie set in Europe. And I, I shoot you not, I, I sent the script to Adam. And on that day they closed Europe. And then I sent them the next day, by the time Netflix had read it, they closed the NBA. So, or, or that was inverted, one of those two things. And so everything stopped. And so that's kind of how we ended up with Wancho because we had, we had a script that was basically greenlit. And I'd say 80% of what's on screen was probably in that draft, maybe 75. And then we were like, you know, incrementally working on it. And we, they got the director, Jeremiah, who did a fantastic job. And he comes on and then they started looking for the guy. And so they they had him put himself on tape. And, yeah, we were on Zoom, like, you know, every day, all three of us, me, Jeremiah, and Adam, just kind of going over stuff. And in that context, um, when uh, Wancho's tape came through, Jeremiah, like, wanted me to look at it immediately because they just knew. He was, he's incredibly good in the movie. And it's funny, as great as his performance is, it, there's other stuff that's not in the movie that you would – I mean, he's, he's really a tremendous actor. And everybody was trying to figure out, like, what's he going to do next? And he just, you know, he doesn't really want to do anything next. He wants to be an NBA player. So I hope he'll do something someday. But also, I don't want to see him like randomly in a Marvel movie. So I'll take him just I hope he I hope he sticks to that. I did love in the movie. These are some technical questions, but a lot of the language was very natural. Right. And sort of Sandler would have a line. He's married to Queen Latifah in the movie. I thought their relationship was great. The way they interacted each other, uh, interacted with each other was fantastic. Um, how many of those lines end up being scripted? And how many of those are Adam Sandler just sort of throwing something in off of various takes? 
a lot of them were scripted and I'm not, uh, I don't just say that. Like there was, there's definitely improv, but Adam's a really, really talented actor. And I will say this too, from a meta standpoint, like the surreal thing for me was, I mean, the first movies I can remember seeing multiple times in the theater were like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Like I was, I was 13 or 14 when they came out. Those that, that run began for him. So as, as, it, as surreal and cool as it was with the stars born to, you know, see Lady Gaga, you know, stopping the movie with her voice and and working with Bradley and then watching that translate onto the screen. Like, I didn't grow up watching Bradley Cooper. Like, I grew up, my sense of humor, everything's influenced by him. So writing dialogue for him was very natural. And it was one of those things where, they also, the more times you refine the script, you know, there's like, you just find stuff. And so, you know, you add, lines get added in as you go. There's always the point where you got you to gotta shrink the production down. And so... Yeah, there was stuff that I think that they definitely improv. And like, there's a couple lines, like, I think one, I remember, one that definitely was improv, like, uh, Adam did the, uh, like, the whole, the whole porno thing, the, the porn edition thing was, was scripted, but Bo improvised the, like, or Wancho improvised the, uh, it wasn't me. And then Adam responded. So, like, there are a couple of spots like that, but yeah, you'd be surprised more than not. And I, I would tell you if it wasn't, there's a lot that is scripted. And there's definitely, you know, they're just, they're both tremendous actors. And that's, everybody in the movie's great ben foster's fantastic i'm just he's such a good actor to take everything and turn it into just it's supposed to sound like it's not scripted you know yeah i'm so glad you mentioned ben foster because again i'm i'm one of the few people that i actually really really like ben foster even though most movie he plays he plays this kind of character the kind of uh person you don't really like and it might have been pandorum that was like one of the movies i can think of with him he was the lead star not many people have seen it but it's a good good sci-fi movie but Anthony Edwards, man, to me, that really oh, jumped dude. off in this movie where so shit talking was really amazing because it's just not that I'm saying you guys went to him and said, hey, do what you do on the court. Well, you can mm-hmm. tell that was not natural to him, but he's that cocky, really good athlete. You can tell he came from not the streets, but he grew up playing street basketball like that's that's how they work it. Right. These guys, they try yeah. to break you down mentally, take you off your game. I love that. The first time they played against each other, I love that whole thing where, you know, Cruz comes down, he hits a three, and he's feeling like he's in rhythm. And right there, Anthony Edwards keeps going. He keeps getting his head. And it was just kind of cool, that whole evolution of that part. Because we talk all the time, me and Chad, people don't get how much of sports is mental. Like, all these Usually. guys have the talent. They have the skills. It's mm-hmm. the mental stuff. That's what makes Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, LeBron, LeBron. So I would love to hear how you guys worked with Anthony Edwards. Because to me, I thought he was the best actor of all the athletes. He was a cr- incredible. He's incredible. Player. Yeah, he really, he really, uh, well, he and Wancho knew each other. So he ended up in the movie because they played on the Timberwolves together. Wancho recommended him. And then I, I love him as a player. I, I love everything about it. Yeah, which he's just everything. He's a, he's a great uh, basketball player, great personality. Seems like a guy that you just can't help but root for. Um, so then when he came on, and this is a testament to like, and I, again, I would tell you if it wasn't scripted, all that stuff was scripted except for when he says that shit's whack. That's the only <laughs> thing that I didn't write. Everything else was him just taking what was on the page and then making it his own. And you're absolutely right, Simon. That was, I'd say, there's always there's always moments on every, as a screenwriter especially, where you're trying to figure out, like, what's going to drive the second act? Like, what what is going to be the obstacle? So, like, in The Star is Born, it was, like, uh, the pop music, her getting sucked into the system. And, like, that was going to be the thing that was going to kind of be the, like, so Bo needed something to overcome. And, like, it couldn't just be 
you know, uh, he just needs to train harder. There had to be something he actually had to try to, to get over. And, and yeah, again, being a huge NBA fan, it is, it's everything. I mean, honestly, if I, if I play like, if I'm playing horse in my backyard with my, like my wife will, and I will, will play. If, if she makes a shot from 12 feet, the feeling of trying to hit that shot, knowing I have to hit it, you know, it just, it changes the feeling. I could stand there and hit from like a free throw for the most part without, not that I'm very good, I'm terrible, but like, you know what I mean? It's, if there's nobody in front of me. So it's like, I, I can only imagine what that feels like when you're moving at the speed these guys move at. And, and it's, it's all mental. I mean, Steph Curry, you know, watching him in, when he was in his, he's still in his prime, but that, those, those, I always remember that Oklahoma city game where he, he, he won it from half court. So he said 12 threes in that game. That that's not just skill. That's like, he's in the last dance. They described Michael Jordan. The last episode, they say they, that's the key with his secret with Michael is he was a mystic. He was always in the moment. He never expected to miss. He never expected to do anything, but make it. And, and he's the greatest player of all time. And I think that that's everything. So yeah, it was a natural fit for his, for Bo's uh, kind of character arc. And I got to do that fun bit with Adam making fun of him, which I really enjoyed. It was that I thought the athletes overall in the movie were fantastic. <laughs> Kenny Smith, who was in the movie, not even playing so Kenny Smith, was ridiculously good. How much, how much in this is coaching? How many times did you have to say to him, okay, or the director is saying to him, do it differently? Like, were they comfortable immediately? How do you even know? I'm asking you eight questions here. That Kenny no, Smith do that. Well, two things. So uh, a lot, a ton of credit for that goes to Jeremiah, the director. All the credit for the, the that. But I also have to give credit to Adam as a producer because when after when we first were trying to find a director, because remember, first we're trying to get it for summer, so they went out really quickly. And Jeremiah's first movie is called We the Animals, and he what I what two things you'll notice about it if you watch it. It's like, it's visually very interesting. It's a low budget movie. He did a ton with the camera that really is visceral. And, and you just could knew, you knew he had a great eye. The other thing though, is he worked with non-actors. So Adam knew as a producer and he doesn't get nearly enough credit. Like he, he is, he was the key producer of the movie beyond being the star and the driving force. Like that decision was huge. And so every, every NBA player, we had a director who knew how to get those natural moments, but I'll tell you specifically about Kenny. Cause I meeting, I met Kenny at the premiere. I saw him in Philly and that, I mean, I'll probably never, I said it last time. So I'll probably never see you again in my life. This is really cool for me. Cause I watch you like every night for all of the spring. Um, he, uh, he said this, the, the other thing I think is the way these guys are wired. This, so this is just what Kenny told me when he, he read the script and Adam had called him to, to just say he wanted him to do it. And Kenny had played like himself in cameos, but he'd never done like a real acting thing. So he knew, he said, I need 24 hours. He, and he just like thought about it because once he decided to do it, he was going to, he took, he did the acting coach every day for a month. He just worked like two, three hours a day to, to be, to become that actor. So his like his pro athlete work ethic kicked in. And once he decided to do it, he's going to do it great. So I think a lot of these guys, you know, some of that is just like, you know, you're going to do something. You're not going to just mail it in. You're going to do it. You're going to do it really well. So then that combination of that with a director who really knows how to get those natural moments. Um, yeah, it really worked out. And that's the coolest feeling, man. Like you can't being a writer. You just, you control so little, you know, again, it's like being a role player. If you, you can be an amazing role player. If you're not on a team with Giannis, if you're not on a team with Steph and, and Draymond or, or Tatum, like there's, you need the, the, the guy to get you there. But there's a, it's an amazing feeling when it does. And also, you know, you, we play an important role, but it's just, the movie is so much out of our hands. Well, you mentioned 
the the most important word to me, which was this movie was really natural and seamless. It didn't go for anything cheap. Like Adam Sandler's lines felt completely reactive and in the moment. Um, you know, he and Kenny Smith are sitting around a pool in Spain and there's beautiful women all over and they're all topless. And uh, Kenny Smith is trying to get Adam Sandler to turn around. And Adam <laughs> Sandler's like, if I turn around, my wife is going to kill me. And finally he gets him to do it. And they're staring at there's two a payoff, dudes, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. or there was even a moment where Adam Sandler is sitting at his kitchen table in a really powerful, stressful moment towards the end of the movie. And he's texting something and his daughter is trying to say something to him which ultimately turns out to be something incredibly important, but he's just sort of shushing her the whole time. And mm. anyone who has kids who mm. is trying to sort of manage something stressful while their kids are talking to them has said that line a thousand times, but yeah. the way he said it and the way it was delivered just felt like he was a dude who was a dad talking to his daughter. It just like everything about the movie actually felt really sort of tonally perfect. Good and, job, you know, that, fetters. <laughs> that's a tough thing to do. I'll say one last thing about that because that again goes to the, you know, that there's a script element to it, but th that was a something to be able to walk the line and tone between, like, you know, a drama that that's gonna try to get you to cry in certain spots, but then also to be able to have a scene like the one you just the Kenny Smith and and uh, Adam scene at the pool, like it, Adam's superpower is that he is kind of like an, a regular guy. He's very smart and he's incredibly talented, but he really is like one of the most regular guys that he, I, I, everybody says this about him. So, and I, and I know him well enough to say that from personal experience, but there, that the line between the movie being funny and having like actual, like the opening scene with Beaumont, like that's a scripted scene. That's like, it's funny. It's meant to kind of, it's, it's got a silliness. And I, I, we've been compared favorably by a few people to Jerry Maguire and rewatching Jerry Maguire. That, that is, that movie has that too, where it's like, it could have been cheesy. It could have been corny. The kid could have really made it seem weird, but those scenes, because Tom's so good in the movie, just kind of work. Like, you know, it's a, you feel like it's a movie. And then, but at the same time, it, 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 you doesn't lose the audience to where you just, you still say sucked in. So yeah. The NBA Finals are here, and so is your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook throughout the NBA Finals. FanDuel is giving new customers $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first five dollar bet bet the money line point spreads player props and so much more plus you can combine your bets for an even bigger payday with the same game parlay but for me my favorite bet for the nba finals is still steph curry to win finals mvp just sign up with promo code favorites if you haven't tried FanDuel. Now is the perfect time to give it a shot because the only thing sweeter than watching the finals is cashing in on all the action. Join today with promo code favorites and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose. Make every game feel like game seven with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. You must be 21 or older and in select states. First online real money wager of at least $5. $10 first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expires 14 days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado. 
Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. I was going to say, not that I'm pitching Adam Snyder's next movie, but... Oh, by all means. He's done football. <laughs> he's done basketball. I mean, he's done these movies. People forget. I'll never forget Big Daddy. He had a scene where he's hitting baseballs at his um, baseball. like adopted kid. Adam yeah. has a naturally good baseball swing. I don't know if he played it growing up, but to me, yeah. that's the next thing. Adam need, needs to do a baseball movie. It's like, you can tell, again, he's a hooper. I've seen these photos of him always going around shooting hoops. Mm-hmm. I, I bet you Adam's a baseball player. Like, again, his stance, the way he swung the bat, I have no doubt Adam wants to do a baseball movie. You can just tell he's naturally a baseball player. So I would love to hear if you See, this is what makes you a this is what makes you a sharp. This is what makes you a pro. Pro. You'll notice those little details. You pick it up from the swing and big daddy. That you're 100 percent right. That is his best sport. It is the sport <laughs> that he and we talked about this at dinner two nights ago. And it was like really? that. Yeah, because like one of my favorite movies is Bull Durham. And uh, and I and it just like Adam in a role like Crash David, like he would just crush. And it, and so I, it's definitely something that I don't have yet, but it's it's something that I think if I could find the right way in, um, I think he'd, I'd love to find him like or a league of their own, like a movie that just he gets to play like he could, he could play the manager. I think at this point, you know, he was talking about that too. How it's like, you know, it's all it, everybody. We all get except Chad. Chad looks very good for. I imagine you're older than thirty five, but. But I feel like once I hit 40, I just I turned 40 last year, and it's like the bags under my eyes get get heavier, and, you know, just trying to hold on to the hair on my head. And Adam, you're, you're, the, the joints start to hurt, and it's like, oh, man, this is crazy. And Adam, Rick, he's in his 50s, so he held on a little longer. But, yeah, it's it's I think he is actually being a player. Maybe we're past that, but he could be a great manager. Um, number one, everyone knows that Jews from New Hampshire, great athletes. <laughs> It's like <laughs> undiscovered yeah, it's like Ohio, Texas of athletic talent. <laughs> Two, yeah. everyone knows, uh, yeah, I am older than both of you fuckers. Uh, I stopped playing basketball at 40 when I, in the span of six months, tore my labrum, uh, oh broke my a rib and shredded a finger and decided that's, that's it. it. I'm done. Um, I feel like I would want to have a all day movie fest with Will Simon because Bull Durham's one of my favorite movies. I felt like, and, and, and it's hard to thread the needle on sports movies. And now there's two great Philadelphia sports movies, Invincible, uh, the Vince Papali story, which, uh, what's that? <laughs> I was say, you're really going to forget about Rocky. You're going to forget Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to forget Rocky. <laughs> so we're so we're not in it. So it's invincible no. and Rocky. <laughs> invincible. I said three. Invincible. I two. I said Rocky. Two. And now Hustle. Three uh, great Philadelphia. Oh, I love Invincible too, Chad. We should we'll do a movie thing sometime. I I, I really do. Uh, I, I it was a movie that I remember seeing that in the theater and being like, damn, I really actually am enjoying this. And I knew part of it was probably because like I'm from Philly and grew up going to that stadium. Well, I'm Philly area. I'm not from Philly. God forbid. I don't want to claim, you know, heritage I don't have, but that's a weird thing being from Wilmington, Delaware. It's like, yeah, like Jeremiah was born in South Philly and Jeremiah, 
like authentic. His dad uh, an artist designed to the gardens. There's a, uh, some art in there that his dad did. So he is like super authentic. Like he did grow up in the city. When you're outside the city, it's like, it's like, it's your city, but I'm not from the city. You know what I mean? So I don't, I didn't get the like the favored son treatment, but I did get the like, well, he's the reason the movie's here. So you get if, that. Um, well, as the person who wrote the book Invincible, uh, well, really, that's all I wanted to say is that I wrote the book Invincible. But um, Did you really? How do I know that? Yeah, yeah. It's one of wow. my seven. It's one of my seven books. Uh, it was uh, I. <laughs> I, I did it that? with uh, Vince Papali, wow. who's one of the classiest guys in the world. Love the guy to death. Uh, pure joy, pure optimism, pure happiness. I would drive at the time. I was living in Montclair, New Jersey. He was wow. in Cherry Hill. I would drive down from Montclair, 90 minutes down uh, the turnpike to Cherry Hill. And I'd sit in his basement and I'd turn on my recorder and he would just start talking. He would tell the greatest stories in the world. So many stories yeah. that couldn't even end up in the book. And, um, and at one point, it was right when my second kid was born. So wow. I was exhausted. And there was one day where I started to fall asleep while I was recording him in his basement oh, no. and I sort of nodded off. Like, you know how when you're in class, sometimes you'll nod oh, off yeah. and jerk your head up. So mm -hmm. I did that. And he looks at me, he goes, you don't worry about it, brother. I can just keep talking. And it was just like, <laughs> it was the best. That's great, man. It was That's the cool. total best. He was the best. If we were to have a movie fest day, I would do Invincible. Mm -hmm. I would do Bull Durham. I would do Hoosiers. Um, I would do Moneyball, which I feel like you had a scene in, in Hustle that was a little bit of, a, of an homage to Moneyball when everyone's sitting around the table in the beginning talking about players and stuff. And my, my kid actually asked me, he wanted to know from you, was that sort of a, was that inspired by the scene in Moneyball? Uh, it was in the sense that that's how teams really work. So, I mean, obviously I thought about it, but it wasn't specifically like that. Honestly, the scene in Moneyball, I feel like plays a little more even like, like the thing I was talking about, the line you walk between like movie scene and, and just being like delivering the information. I, I love that scene because you know, Brad keeps pointing to, to Jonah, like, uh, you know, he gets on base. That's what I mean by it's like, it's got a rhythm and there's like, there's a, there's kind of a running joke, but Aaron Sorkin is great, right? I think Steve Zellian wrote that with him too. Um, but anyway, this one was more, it was, it was definitely that's I'm conscious of that. But when I, so my first pass, I knew, I knew that we had this whole uh, construct within the team. The 76ers were super cool. And once they like kind of gave us permission to use, um, you know, they, they just got involved. They jumped in with both feet and Dell Demps was our technical advisor. And I spoke to Dell Demps like pretty much right away. So off my first draft, he and I started talking about like what, that scene would really sound like. And then the deeper we got into the movie, you know, like there was stuff there, even during production, you know, they make little changes during the production. So there were even the, any line of that, that was on there that wasn't like exactly what somebody would say, you know, kept was, was, was changed to what somebody would say. So that, that is very much, um, it's meant to be authentic and that's how they really do it, man. They sit around and they, they argue about it. I saw, I found something too, like Sacramento Kings draft room, which not the one you necessarily want to model, but that's what they, you know, sit around, you argue about, who, who to take and why Del Demps, by the way, former player, current coach. So yeah. here's my question for you, Will first, then Simon, mm -hmm. if we're having a movie day, I've given some movies, but there's one I'm holding out on. I want to know what is the betting movie that you would add 
to our movie day festival lineup? The, the tough thing here is that I feel like both of the two that came to my mind are like kind of Homer picks, but like, so Uncut Gems is such a fantastic gambling movie as far as just like the energy, how it typically ends for most gamblers metaphorically. Um, and then Silver Linings Playbook, which is another one which I thought they just did such a good job of weaving uh, the, the, the gambling part of the story. That was really a hard line to walk. And I mean, uh, David O. Russell is incredible at that. But like to make kind of like an ending that's very, it could have been really cheesy to have like the dance and the parlay, but like it just plays. Um, those two uh, would be on. And then I'm, I'm going to give you three. And I also, I love um, trying to think of one outside the box. and. Michael Clayton, where he he is a he is a gambling problem, and it's kind of the the backstory, and he plays cards in the movie, so it technically counts. And I just absolutely love that movie. It kind of got it came out the year of um, it's like when you know any team that ran into Michael Jordan's Bulls, like you weren't going to win the finals. Like so, Michael Clayton came out and was the Oscars the same year as No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood. Yeah, and I just love that movie, and it just kind of got so that that would be on my list probably. There's a couple other obvious ones. I'll give Simon. What would you say? My number one's easy. It's Rounders. I I watch Rounders so many times. I burnt the VHS tape. I was obsessed <laughs> with Rounders. Um, three stacks of high society. Don't splash the pot. I mean, all of it. I again, this was when I was young, and World Series of Poker was really big in the early 2000, 2001. Like Chris Moneymaker was just a big deal, and I'll just never forget where it was like. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I just want to play poker and kind of be a card counter like these guys. And as I got older, I was like, okay, now I really understand the movie. These guys were miserable as hell <laughs> and trying to get to this lifestyle. So yeah. for, for me, gambler, I, I I can't get around big of a part of my life rounders was because it was just not that it's authentic, but it really shows you what it's like. Like you're going to have these huge risks. You need to go for it and you might end up being a UPS man the rest of your life. Like, there's just really a lot of risk in this gambling world. I thought rounders, you know, it really broke that down in a, in a sense that, um, you know, <laughs> I love Adam Sandler, but most, most professional betters aren't doing a 13 team parlay to get their money yeah. back at the end mm -hmm. of a thing. It's like, it's more like rounders where it's like, okay, I'm going for, it. I got to beat this one guy to get the money to go do this next step in my life. So, you know, it's always, it's always interesting. You know, we've seen movies progress now with gambling because, What's the number one thing at the end of a gambling movie? They want to remind you gambling's bad. You don't want to be doing this. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool Rounders, where they didn't really have to do that. They showed kind of the other side of it where it's like you can swim through all the slush, all the shit, all the mud, and you can make out the other side. So, yeah, for me, for my favorite gambling movie, it was definitely always going to be Rounders. So that's a good uh, one, man. That's really, I mean, that is a really even that insight on it. Yeah, it is a really good one. Rounders is great. It's funny, Will. No joke. In the past two weeks, I've watched Michael Clayton and Silver Linings Playbook. Um, <laughs> Silver Linings funny. Playbook. I had forgotten how good it was. So good. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, she won an Academy Award for that. Bradley mm -hmm. Cooper was in that. They were amazing together. Uh, mm -hmm. The way they kept saying a parlay was really funny. And like the way yeah, yeah. Drill put the where they put the accent on it yeah. and how they yeah, talked yeah. about it. But the sweatshirt, people can't see it necessarily, but Simon is wearing an old school Eagle sweatshirt. Oh, yeah. And that I is like so it. Silver Linings playbook. Um, love both of those movies. Uncut Gems, that was going to be my first choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's such a controversial gambling movie. 
Some people just absolutely hate it. <laughs> I loved it. Like yeah. I thought it was amazing, loved everything about it. And um, but we've had people on the podcast who just cannot stand that movie. And I don't know why. I thought it was I thought it was amazing. I thought Sandler was great in it. Yeah, I think maybe it's they genuinely don't like the way it made them feel. Like you you people, it's not necessarily an enjoyable experience, but the movie's incredible to make you feel that way. Yeah, it's it, the anxiety you feel through that whole movie with his character is that's an all-time robbery, him not getting nominated for that. That was I mean, I'm not saying he should have won, but uh, that was so far and away one of the best performances of the year. And uh, given everything else he's done, I would have expected it. But yeah, Uncut Gems is up there. Yeah, well, The Gambler, I think, also has to be, right? Yeah, I mean, The Gambler, but it almost feels cliche. And also, yeah. it's so fucking old now. Like, it's as old as I am, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and so, um, and that is a dark, early 70s, like, almost noirish, almost too realistic look at mm -hmm. the life of a sports better in the life of a gambler. I think we got our lineup set. We got a rounders. We got uncut gems. We got silver linings. We got Michael Clayton. The only one I would add uh, is 21, which was based on the book, bringing down the house uh, written by Alan Loeb, who uh, is another screenwriter who's been on the podcast a lot. Amazing translation of the book. Uh, and I just really liked the movie. It was fun. It was candy. It was popcorn. -y. Like it just sort of, it was sexy. I think it's a good one. I'll add two just because yeah, I think you got to put Rain Man. Um, we can just extend the day. We'll go into the night. You got to put Rain Man. And then the only other one I thought about this and I, I think it, it walks. So it's a sports movie. And I think it absolutely is a gambling movie because of eight men of the eight men out field of dreams, field of dreams. He the, what he's effectively doing is gambling. And it's like you can make that parallel for it's, it is a reach in some sense, but he very much financially bets everything on something that that he feels is going to pay off without with no rational reason. Um, and I think that, that I actually really thought it was interesting what Sina said about watching rounders and then to become because the, I think about the scene and what you'll know and when he's with Martin Landau and he talks about how he they wanted him to become a rabbi, his parents, and then he went into to law and he was just that's what he, he was called to do that and i think that i never really thought about it from that perspective because obviously not a professional gambler uh that 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 does show you that this is like it's okay to want to do this like it's not it doesn't it's not for all for degenerates it's like it can be a living and it's and it's like it's math you know so i i think it's cool that 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 played a role in your origin story let's not compliment simon all right, I won't. We don't. We don't compliment Simon either. Yeah. We don't. It's like, he gets so much love as it is. Uh, I, saw, I do want yeah, to. Compliment. I saw a really, I saw a really funny video on Twitter. I, I rarely am on Twitter, but somehow uh, I saw one of you. Somebody cut together you like turning, changing your pick because it was that was so funny, dude. That was great. Just like the different, like you couldn't have scripted it better. Like the different your tone of voice, and it's like you're saying the same thing just in different ways. Like, all right, well maybe that's so good. It was like Tommy Boy when he's like you know, blowing the sails. Gotcha. Thanks. <laughs> Listen, I can go any direction. I go with the wind. That's how I've made it. That's, that's what I've gotten great, by man. in my career. By the uh, way, I do the exact same thing if I was in your chair. Oh, the professional ones go that way? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can totally see that. Uh, Will Fetters, executive producer, writer for Hustle. The movie's amazing. Everyone go download it or watch it on Netflix. Um, Adam Sandler stars in it. Love the movie. Love the work you're doing. Congrats on all the success. Uh, thanks thanks for coming on.
the favorites podcast we'll get ready for our own movie festival for Simon Hunter, for Matt Mitchell, I am Chad Millman. This has been the Favorites Podcast. Download from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, five stars, say whatever you want. Feedback is a gift. Until next time, love you. Take care. <laughs>